321BizDev is a sales systems and business development company supporting attorneys, CPAs, corporate dental franchisers, independent dentists, home health providers, home builders, medical groups, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, real estate brokers, restaurants, tattoo shops, boutique shops, hairstylists, HVAC companies, and plumbers. I can be reached toll-free at 833-321-3212 or area code 726-999-0999. Our website is 321bizdev.com. Today's podcast episode is titled, Saving the Dental Industry, One Practice at a Time. And if you're listening to this podcast episode, you can also go to our blog, which most of the same information is mentioned. Hello, listeners. It's April 15th, and I just want to start by saying I knew it was coming. The impending disaster of the dental industry, both independent and corporately owned dentist business models, and the 2020 lockdowns and business shutdowns have accelerated dental practice revenue woes faster than any organic dental industry mismanagement could have ever done. My consulting firm started tracking dental practice health about five years ago after three California dentists went out of business. So I want to look at their stories and these stories do not include the real names of the dentists. The first was Dr. Cedric, a 25-year dentist veteran whose practice shut down after trying to run his practice using employees hired from a temporary agency. My wife and I were his patients, and during my last visit at Dr. Cedric's practice, I noticed the employees were strangely giddy and not too disciplined as you would expect at a dental practice. Dr. Cedric, whom I met with for lunch, told me that his staff was temporary employees. He told me that he could not afford to hire permanent full-time dental employees and pay for employee benefits. Now, Dr. Cedric previously had a nice office in Sacramento's Elk Grove community and now had an office in North Sacramento with homelessness and high crime all throughout the area. And to put a finger in an old wound while sitting in the dental chair, I could see cars in the parking lot and rays of sunlight because the wall paneling had small cracks. No kidding, I could see the sun outside his dental practice from sitting in the dental chair. Dr. Cedric could not find enough dental patients who could afford intermediate to complex dental treatment even when they had dental insurance. Dr. Cedric sent my wife and I a letter informing us he was closing his California practice and moving to Las Vegas to pursue an athletic director position at a high school. Dr. Cedric played football while in college and majored in sports medicine. Let's go to Dr. Harold. I met Dr. Harold through his girlfriend while shopping at a local Sacramento Safeway grocery store. Dr. Harold attended a highly rated dental school in Washington State after graduating from Temple University in Philadelphia. I was a patient of Dr. Harold before being treated by Dr. Cedric. Long story short, for about one year, Dr. Harold only had one employee at his practice, 
and it was him. He answered phones, he did the billing, he cleaned the office. Dr. Harrell did have a dental hygienist on call when needed, but that was it. He was a one-man dental practice. Dr. Harrell could not find enough dental patients who could afford an intermediate to complex dental treatment, even with dental insurance. And at the end, Dr. Harrell shut down his practice and became an employee Medi-Cal dentist to provide dental services to California's staggering high impoverished communities. And finally, let's talk about Dr. Rena. Dr. Rena had a dental practice in an upscale community 20 miles south of downtown Sacramento. I offered my consulting services to Dr. Rena about eight months before she shut down her practice. I followed up with Dr. Rena after giving her some dental practice growth advice, but she never returned my phone calls. Then after six months, I got an interesting call from Dr. Rena to meet over coffee. I was so excited that she finally called me back and I was thinking she was ready to move forward with the dental practice growth action plan I recommended. To my dismay, Dr. Rena delivered some sad news, but the news was more sad for Dr. Rena. She told me that her practice was shutting down within 30 days, but the reason she gave me but the reason she gave surprised me initially, but at the same time, I was not too surprised. Dr. Rena told me that she was paying $8,000 per month out of her personal savings to keep the practice afloat. She had paid over $200,000 over a two and a half year period to stay in business. And now during that meeting, she told me she had about $100,000 in savings and she was not going to lose that money. Dr. Rena began to cry right in front of me in the coffee shop because her dream of having a successful dental practice just went up in flames. Dr. Rena could not find enough dental patients who could afford intermediate to complex dental treatment, even with insurance. Dr. Rena said that she was moving back to the Philippines Islands with her mother to buy a motel to recoup her losses as a dentist. There are more dental stories I can tell you about how the dental industry is going through perilous times. Just this week, a business colleague told me how a California dental practice tried to upsell a $5,000 dental procedure. Now my colleague had just paid $9,000 in cash for a long awaited dental procedure. Figuring my colleague had more disposable income, the dental practice aggressively recommended another procedure my colleague felt was unnecessary. And just yesterday, April 14th, I was reading some comments from a dental blog I have been following for the last two years. This one comment summarizes the negative experiences dentists encounter. The words I'm about to read are the actual words communicated by a dentist in 2018. So here are the comments, which I did not alter a single word. And I quote, yeah, and feeling much the same, half a million in debt, a good portion of my free time dedicated to pain management like yoga or massage. My closest classmates 
who are now spread in different states all say the same. Admittedly, I barely make ends meet by the end of the month with my loan debt, rent, and other debts like insurances and whatnot. I'm driving a 10-year-old car because the thought of adding more debt is daunting right now. I'm glad I did a residency because I learned a lot, but it was nerve-wracking watching my interest accrue on my loans because residency barely paid enough for rent. I don't even know how California graduates do it. They have to take personal loans during dental school for living expenses. I can't even. Meanwhile, my current job, I worked across several different settings and was disillusioned at my older colleague. This is just a snapshot of what I witnessed across various settings during my first year out. A. Dentists doing shitty work for the corporation in order to produce the standard of their corporation. A company sent me for a day to shadow their top producer so I can observe how he produces and I whelped. I saw them deliver bridges with giant marginal deficiencies and carries excavate leading to nerve exposures with no mention to the such to the patient and just went ahead and filled it sans pulp cap. Another practitioner for the same company was so overwhelmed and overworked that they literally collapsed of exhaustion in the middle of a workday. B. Owner of a practice doing shoddy work scams insurance at the benefit of working less. I caught multiple cases where he billed class twos for class ones and left Interprox carries because who has time to place a matrix band? Same person did a bad root canal which three weeks later when the patient returned in pain they extracted the tooth, cut off the apex and retreated the rest of the root out of the mouth then re-implanted it because it was better than refunding her money that she paid for uh, a crown and deducted from the advance payment she made on the crown towards the extraction of tooth which was still in her mouth and did not uh, return the rest of the money for the crown she never got. Instead told her it would remain on the account for when they do the crown and the patient was elderly and paying cash. And three weeks later, the patient continued to seek pain relief, got C. diff from being on so many antibiotics from him and her physician. I saw her once four days after that ridiculous procedure had been done. She had swelling on the gingiva and I offered her two options. One, I would remove the tooth and make her a temporary partial. It was number nine. Two, have her follow up with him in a week as planned. She chose number two because she honestly trusts him. Then I quit in a few days. I left disappointed that a seemingly successful practice was based on shady practices. And then finally three, I've also worked in public health where some think the patients don't deserve cell phones. So why provide standard of care dentistry? Tell me if you ever heard this one. They have a nicer phone than me. One clinic does comprehensive exams, but then only offers extractions and refers to private practice for routine fillings. Why, do e why even do a comp exam? 
Also, some of these places think that someone receiving cheap treatment should expect to wait three hours. So their patient check-in process takes 30 to 45 minutes and the dentists don't have any control of it. I hope I can find a way to serve patients ethically and maintain science-based practices while still having the time to take care of myself and pay off my loans before I'm 60. At this time, that means being patient with the 45-minute check-in process and being okay with patients being upset because the wait is so long. As much as I want to have my own practice, the thought of adding more debt is daunting. It's too bad that few opportunistic bad seeds have created bad practices and the culture has spread. I was once told that the dentist owner of a well-known corporation said early in his career that his goal is to do with dentistry what McDonald's did for the food industry. And I I, so I closed the quote after the McDonald's comment. So that was an excerpt from one dentist talking about his experiences, and this is from 2018. So what is the solution? 321BizDev has the solution, and the solution is the same one we had in 2017. But now the solution is more timely and relevant. And here is the short version of that solution. Dentists must finally see themselves as salespeople. Many dentists believe that they are not in the business of selling dental treatments. When I say selling dental treatments, I mean being involved in the, in the total part of the business from acquiring a customer from the very first day until the work is done and you have a satisfied client, a truly satisfied client. I say today, as I said five years ago, dentists and other white collar small business owners and all business owners are salespeople. And now is the time for business owners to get a sales system. It's time for business owners to realize that they must have more interaction with their potential clients earlier in the process than people calling them or in the case of dentists, the dentists waiting on their phones to ring. Any person moving a product or service is in the sales industry and every person, be he or she a dentist, an attorney, a CPA, a plastic surgeon, an insurance broker, a real estate broker, a hairstylist, a tattoo artist, a plumber, a CEO of a medical group, a home builder, or an esthetician. Everyone must master sales fundamentals and they must do it now. If this episode provokes some deep thought about improving your sales performance, please do not hesitate to contact me, Rick Napier, CEO at 726-999-0999. Interested parties can visit our website at 321bizdev.com, then click the questionnaire tab to complete the five-minute questionnaire so 321bizdev can learn more about your current sales situation or learn about your current or past experiences with trying to improve sales performance. A 321BizDev specialist will contact you within two business days to review your responses. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Make it a great day.